answer that question by asking you two questions. One, is this or is this not? Chasing history. Jake Larson. I needed to find this Shaka Khan song. I couldn't think of the name of it, and so I had to stop in the middle of the sidewalk. In two-time Nebraska walk-on tryout participant Colton Stone. <laughs> I'm putting a 12-6 that only has a 12 right at the batter's head. <laughs> yes, it is. Two, do I or do I not currently have a pulse? Yes, I do. Let's play football. Good morning, beautiful people. It's 10 a.m. on a Friday. You know what that means. It's Chasing History Time, Chasing History on 90.3 KRNU. I'm Colton Stone alongside Jake Larson. Jake, how are you? I don't know. I I don't know how I'm doing. I'm going to be honest with you. Why? I think you just need uh, need to give me a few more minutes to think about how I'm doing this morning. (laughs) It's a little too early for me to process thought. What, because we walked in with like two minutes before we went on? Yeah. Just need a little bit of time. Just to, a little, yeah, just a little something. It's a new new venue. You just got to shake it loose. How's your morning been? You've been here yeah, longer I than just, I have. So. I, you know, I uh, was watching a video on the history of the heavyweight division. And so uh, it was a pretty interesting video. What did you learn? I learned that uh, Andrew Galata always hit below the belt. And he could have been... Uh, he could have won at least two different heavyweight titles if he decided to, like, you know, have some discipline and not hit below the belt every time. Doesn't seem like a good way to go. No, I wouldn't do that. If you're a champion below the belt, you might as well just no, I wouldn't, I wouldn't stick to that. it, you know? You know, that's one thing. Um, what's one thing I've learned about boxing is if you want to win, like... Cheat. Yeah, don't <laughs> cheat too much. Cheat enough, but, just, like, Just not... a, a little bit is fine, but... Jake, you know what season it is, right? Football season. Okay, you know what other season it is, right? Spooky season. Spooky season. Spoopy season, as some would say. As uh, I would say. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, so today we've got a special episode with this being the last episode toward Halloween. Mm-hmm. Yeah, unless we just do a random like Tuesday show. Yeah. Yeah. We are going to be doing, we're going to cover all the sports conspiracy theories. Every single one of them. Isn't that right, Colton? Uh, I, I guess I don't know how many there really are. I've counted like 15. Are there, are there some that have probably come out that people are like, hmm, well, now I've, we proved well, that wrong. I, no, they're the ones that uh, have been proven wrong I left out. Okay, I, that's why I matched ones that are, Yeah, no, we already, we already we, not only that, but we already discussed the Cal Ripken. And another one that was actually proven true. Mm-hmm. Um, was Gaylord Perry was a terrible hitting pitcher, and the rumor was allegedly that um, he once in an interview said they'll put a man on the moon before I hit a home run, and he hit his first career home run hours after um, Neil Armstrong landed on the moon, <laughs> and they found out that actually did happen. So <sighs> that made my day a lot better. That's that's good. I like that. Yeah. So are you ready to go or? Uh, define ready to go. I mean, like, kind of, can I start? Yeah, you can start whenever ah, you want. All right, sweet. Wow. <laughs> wow. Well, we're going to start off local here. Um, Nebraska versus Texas was one th- with oh, one second God. left on the clock. I might have to leave we the room. We all remember that game. I might have to leave the room. We all remember that game. That's for sure. But do you think that there w- that was 
an official's error, or do you feel there's something more with that one? Okay, so here's – I know you and I started briefly talking about this. I think the last two years of Nebraska in the Big 12, while they weren't maybe like deserving of necessarily being the best team in the Big 12, there were times where – it, there there were just some shady stuff going on between officials and the commissioner, it felt like, because, I mean, one, you look at the 2000, 2009 Texas game and the one second, but clearly, it. I mean, so many people are like, oh, but you can see it hits right there. It's like, well, if that railing's not there because they're playing at, I think they were playing at Jerry World, mm-hmm. um, but... If it's not there, clock the clock runs out, and the clock ran out anyways. Like there's, there was no way to tell which clock was right if the officials' clock was right, and I, I don't know if it was an officials' error or what the issue was. I think, I think the problem, the problem with it or the the conspiracy theory behind it is that the officials or the Big Twelve commissioner were doing everything they could to get a Big Twelve team into the national championship because if Nebraska would have won, they would have played in the Fiesta Bowl and played whoever. But instead they got Texas who got walloped by Alabama instead and Colt McCoy's crying on the sideline because he gets hurt or whatever. Uh, here's the, But here's the flip side where you could say it wasn't necessarily a conspiracy theory is the fact that Nebraska should have had more than 12 points by that point in time. Well, you have to remember who was on that offense that year, though, too. Yeah, well, but then again, Alex Henry that, was their offensive remember, MVP. Yeah, and but. All, but also, honestly, their defensive backs were just as much as their <laughs> offense, too. Because, I mean, yeah, like, Ndamukong Kongsu, of course, was really good. But, like, right. that whole defense was super solid all around. Eric Haig, uh, mm-hmm. I think, Hanlon. was Levante there? Uh, Not yet, maybe? No, no, he wasn't He was there, there. the next year. Uh, Jared Crick was on that team, though. Crick was there. Yeah, think of it. What's the stat about Crick? That you always say, because Indominus Sue was getting like triple teamed. That Jared Crick led some category. Um, well, let me look it up. Anyways, uh, yeah, but I, I think where it becomes an uh, more apparent is when you get into the 2010. I found it. Okay, so what is it? sophomore in 2009, so that season. Right. Crick, as a defensive end, had 75 tackles mm-hmm. in nine and a half sacks as Jeez. a sophomore. <sighs> wow. Um, but where I think it continued is the fact that you get to like the 2010 Texas A&M game. Now they blew that Texas game in the middle of the year. That was no conspiracy. Oh, but yeah, the they, fact that they lose nine to six, Texas A&M has two penalties for like 11 yards, and Nebraska has nine. No, maybe it's more than that. Like eleven penalties for hundred and seventy-five yards. It's like, yeah. Are you talking about the Texas A and M? Yeah. Oh, yeah. The A and M oh, game in twenty ten. Absolutely. Absolutely. So, that was... And then they still made it to the Big Twelve title game, and then they blew that one too. But that one, they just yeah. Yeah. Um. So long story I short, see... yes, I think there was some kind of collusion. How with I that it? one second. Can I go? Yeah, go ahead. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I'm so how I see it is. <laughs> The Big 12 is now Texas's conference, and it's been Texas's conference. Since they joined it, basically. Yeah. yeah. Um, in fact, I remember a while ago proposing conference realignment, because all this conference realignment was based on cable. Once the cable bubble is going to burst, all the conferences are going to shift again. So I already did that. 
Texas just needs to have a, something called the Longhorn Conference, where it's Texas and then, like, every other Texas school. Well, they, they tried so, that, if you don't remember the Southwest Conference. Well, they need to do it again. because. Well, I've said that, too, yeah. Because, oh, it's, it doesn't work, and then they re- went to the Big 12, and the same thing's happening. So, like, oh, might as well just go back to the Southwest Conference. So, anyway, I bring that up because everything that needs to go into Texas's favor has to – they have to do what they can to bring everything into Texas's favor. So I don't really feel there was anything against Nebraska because they weren't – they were considering the Big Ten, I think, maybe at that point, but they weren't strongly considering or they weren't planning yeah. on joining. So I think it was more just a matter of they wanted Texas to win because it was Texas, and that's the center of the entire conference. Um, the next year, yes, I absolutely believe the Texas A&M game was – something was – a miss there because mm-hmm. it was uh, – I think it was actually like 1 to 15 penalties. And that's like, no. And then not only that, but because of that, that cost Nebraska to go – they went to the Holiday Bowl again where they played a team that they beat again. And, of course, because Bopelin was not very good at preparing teams for big certain games, that was one of those games. And I wasn't surprised even though I was very disappointed – when Nebraska lost to Washington. Because that's when I actually started to become, like, a serious Nebraska fan was that season. Actually, it was more the Sioux season. Mm-hmm. And so that was my first real heartbreak from a Nebraska game. I know it's a little off topic. What's new? All right. No, uh, <laughs> I don't want to hear it. No, the whole uh, conference re- realignment. I know they've already started, like, talking about the idea. When are teams going to leave these – group of five conferences and try to join power five you've seen teams like houston try it ucf try it um you know schools like that and a lot of it does rely on the tv i like i i believe nebraska left a because of a little bit of shady stuff going on with the uh, athletics department um here uh, not here yeah, of the big, of the the big 12, 12 the yeah. commissioners and everything but the other part of it is i think they wanted to move away from the Big 12 and join a conference that was also known for academics. And I think they just wanted to grow. Uh, academically. The, academically, they knew they could probably still thrive athletically, um, which in general they still have. I've actually, no, because I've, I've actually heard professors have told me that um, the reason behind the move to the Big 10 is because they felt that the Big 12 was holding them back uh, academically. And so I totally see that. Well, and then and then you look at all the Big Ten schools. The only one smaller than Nebraska is Northwestern, mm-hmm. which is a private school. Wait, that is also like this is one of the best schools in the yeah. Nation. And so they that's why they've been so actively trying to get the campuses to grow, and they're just trying to get on the same level as the Big Ten academically, athletically, and um, yeah. So I I think they would have made the move eventually somewhere, but if it wasn't for Texas being in the Big Twelve and it being kind of rocky they may not have left as fast but i also did mention with the conference realignment i seriously think in some time in our lifetime the big eight will come back or at least that'd be cool. the core of the big eight yeah. there might be like wyoming might be attached if wyoming like uh-huh. you know gets really good at athletics um if like south dakota or north dakota state go d1 um or yeah, or go FBS, like FBS, maybe, yeah. but the, I feel that the core of the, or maybe even like Iowa might split off and join, it, who knows, but the core of the Big 8 will be in a conference again. 
I wonder if when they do realignment, if it'll be super conferences or even smaller conferences. Like, I think they are more on pace to have, like, a bunch of 16-team conferences mm-hmm. I, than, I like, a bunch that. of eight-team conferences. Mm-hmm. But, and that's what I mean with, like, I hope that I'd rather have smaller conferences personally. I feel it makes things more competitive mm-hmm. and more interesting. But, yeah, it's all based around money and stuff. So I feel it's going to be a bunch of huge 16-team conferences. So you'll have you'll have the – and that's what I was thinking is, like, the core of the Big Eight will come back together – but then you add in like Iowa, Minnesota, uh, a bunch of schools like that mm-hmm. will join in as well. There you go. There you go. Texas was a lie. And so Is you got through that. All right. Did Shoeless Joe Jackson? Did he? If you look at the stats, he wore shoes. What? He wore shoes. Not not is that, in, is that the theory? Not in the minor league. No, he you know he wore shoes, but not uh, in a minor league game. There was one time he. Huh. But the thing was was, eight men out, Black Sox scandal. Did he actually, did he actually try to throw the World Series, or did he maybe take the money and still perform, or did he just not take it at all and it was just he had to take a guilty plea, because he felt that that was the only option. What do you think? I. He definitely didn't try to throw it. There's no question about that. He batted 375 and hit the only home run in, like, the World Series. So, like, that's pretty good. And someone that performs like that is probably not trying to get his team to lose. Though he could just be, like, trying to pad stats. And he took the money and was pretty confident that the other seven guys were going to be able to, like, throw it. Mm -hmm. So... I'm not totally sure, but my I I believe that he just kind of took how to take the easy way out because there was no other option. Like you said with boxing, you can cheat. Just, it has to just be like a little bit. Just if, a little if, if you made it look too obvious that you were throwing a game, then it would have got shut down right away. Oh, exactly. But if you at least attempt like you look like you're playing the game, probably get by. So it's a possibility that he did at least take the money. Yeah, I I would at least say, I would agree with at least taking the money, whether he did it or not, because it's it's hard to it's hard to judge whether someone threw a game based on stats and facts that they performed uh, above par. So, all right, and the next one, and I'm going to bring up the stats of this game because I don't if I remember correctly. Game six, too familiar. Game six, yeah, 2002 Western Conference Finals. Heartbreak game for me. Sacramento. You, you Kings and your little uh, what? Nine-year-old self. Two thousand two. Oh, sorry, five. Four. Four turning five. Uh, I guess so. I don't. Yeah. I don't know. I don't remember. I would have been five. I'm older than you, Jake. That's not very nice of you. So, Sacramento Kings lose one hundred two, one hundred six, Los Angeles Lakers, and let me find the. I think. The stat was, I can't find the team stats. Oh, free throws attempted by the Sacramento Kings, 25. Free throws attempted by Lakers, 40. And they had 26 in the fourth quarter. Well, this says 27, but. 27 in the fourth quarter. Yeah. So they shot more free throws in the fourth quarter than the Kings did all game. 
They scored 16 of their last 18 points at the free throw line to win by four. And not only that, but most of those calls were total phantom fouls. Um, Mm -hmm. And Mike Bibby was elbowed by Kobe Bryant in an inbounds play that was left uncalled, even though it nearly broke Bibby's nose and he was bleeding. So calls like that. No blood, no foul. So, do you feel that there's some sort of conspiracy behind that game? Especially since Tim Donahue would later come out and claim that that game was, in fact, rigged. Okay, so I'm looking at a website mm-hmm. that you know it lists some of their like conspiracy theories, why people believe it, why it could, why it's probably fake. Mm-hmm. Um, and it says, like you said, Tim Donahue comes out. He says that. Um, you know, he gambled on NBA games, suggested that there was a conspiracy that was true. He heard the game had been fixed. Um, or at least the game that he heard that was fixed matched the description of a playoff game or the playoff game. Um, but the reason it could be false is that Donahue didn't work that game. Mm-hmm. So the only way he would know is if someone told him. And we don't know. Yeah, who knows if the information got lost in translation. Um, but you know, I, I wouldn't say we've seen that much before, but, and I'm not like comparing games or anything, but it feels a lot like some of the playoff games that LeBron would play in where it's like, man, we got to try to save the NBA playoffs because the Warriors are probably going to win it anyways. We got to at least get another reason for people to watch and so I, I, I think it's totally possible that any game is fixed. Any like any basketball game is fixed because it's it's one of the easier sports to to yeah, fix. Yeah. Because one little bump you can say, Well, technically that's a foul. Usually you don't call it. But like a game like baseball, there's not really a a true way to fix it as the umpires. Like, yeah, you can just call people out when they're not, but now they have review. Mm-hmm. football is kind of the same way you can't just start throwing flags for random things i mean like I mean, we, we talked it, about nebraska I mean, but it's it's not as easy to do though it's well and what happens is a lot of these sports is these fouls are happening these flags are happening these penalties are happening no matter what it's just how egregious are they how often is the ref going to call it how often will the umpire call it because in football i mean the the saying is there's holding on every play it's just whether the ref calls it or not and i mean that's true at any given play there's a penalty probably happening Mm -hmm. it's just whether it was a factor of the play that happened and yeah someone saw it so i the nba is i mean all these people all these refs came out and said they were gamely on games so i i would not be surprised if any early 2000s game was was fixed in some form or fashion like this and not only that, but also the bigger market. Or, like, Sacramento could have gone to the NBA Finals in six games, and the NBA was seriously hurting mm-hmm. after the departure of Michael Jordan. Or he had returned, but he's playing for the Wizards, and yeah, he's, just taking, he's just taking mid-range shots all game. And and mid-range so, shots and millions of dollars. Exactly. Actually, no, he donated all of his salary from both years. But anyway. Still, he still made the money. And so, anyway, um, like, and that, like, in that you force for a game seven. Mm-hmm. And it, I mean, yeah, it was going to be at home in Sacramento, but part of it was 
people would watch Sacramento in the finals because that was one of the most exciting teams to watch ever. Um, but it's just like it does make sense the theory behind it. Mm. So maybe. Yeah, I give this a, a I give it a hard maybe. So hard maybe to a soft yes. Yeah, because I, if referees were admitting that they gambled on games, they had to have somehow been doing a little bit of tampering behind the scenes. So, so I what's the next say, one, Jake? Maybe. That was really cool, actually. Thank you. <laughs> uh, what's the next one you got for me? The NBA rigged the NBA draft for Cleveland. After LeBron James signed with the Heat. Yep, I have that one pulled up too. I have to say, I think, I don't know if anyone's explored this. I think the NBA rigged the NBA draft for Cleveland when LeBron James was in high high school. school. Because, like, I feel that Cleveland had been so bad for so long. Mm -hmm. I don't know their attendance numbers, but there's no way they could have been, like, Okay, like who, who is gonna pay to go in Cleveland to go watch Ricky Davis and uh, Wesley Person and an out of shape Sean Kemp play against like really about any team and lose? Same people that are going to because watch them play with Colin Sexton and Tristan Thompson and Kevin Love right now. In which uh, you heard about their tickets yesterday, right? Well, I'm sure they were free. Two dollars. <laughs> You're two dollars off. <laughs> That's a pretty good range to be off by. So, is it? Is it one of those situations where, hey, if you donate two cans of dog food for the local pet shelter, you get into the game and a free hot dog? Yeah, something like that, pretty much. So that'd be a good deal. And like as I mentioned, I was going to mention so Denver and Cleveland that year. Uh, going at the end of the 2003 season, so going into the draft with Melo and LeBron and everyone. Oh, 03, okay. Yeah, so in that season, Cleveland and Denver, the two teams that would draft two of the top prospects because, uh, you know, uh, I can't even think of his name, right? Darko Milicic? No, no, no. no. Well, I mean, one of the top two prospects anyway, was by the name of, two Dwayne, of the Dwayne Wade. but So, two of the three. Um, the Denver and Cleveland. Mm-hmm are two of the worst offensive NBA teams in history. Yep. And so no one's going to go see a team that's terrible on offense. And so I'm just like thinking they want they, I'm not sure they wanted Cleveland to move. I felt that they felt that that was cuz that's the only NBA team in Ohio. Yeah. And they didn't want that team to move. Were there talks of them moving, like serious talks of them moving? I don't think there were serious talks, but I'm sure that they were. They were. The They're NBA like, felt, hey, do we the NBA felt bail on was, this? The NBA felt that there could have been a threat, though, before like the media mm-hmm. found out, and they like, all right, we got to get their hometown like hero onto the Cleveland Cavaliers and like give them something to like go to the games for. So that's what I feel now. After LeBron James left, I felt Cleveland was just terrible, and. They made, and I felt that they would have been like, "Hey, don't pick Anthony Bennett as your first pick." If like they did actually get to the point where they were involved in the NBA draft to try and 
to try and rig it for Cleveland. I felt they would have also been like Anthony Bennett. No, don't, 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 don't pick him. Yeah. Well, and and that even if they did rig it for them, which very possible. Uh, even if they did rig it for them to win, because, like they won the draft lottery in 2011 and 13 and 14, that just shows how bad the franchise management is that the picks they made were Kyrie Irving, some guy named Anthony Bennett. Well, I guess they picked Wiggins. That wasn't like a bad pick. It's just that when... Oh, they picked Wiggins? Yeah. And then he got traded. So what happened was, allegedly... Here's another conspiracy theory. Now, LeBron didn't want to play with Andrew Wiggins, basically. And, you know, everyone's like, oh, no. But what happened was is LeBron comes back as a free agent. Andrew Wiggins gets traded to Minnesota for Kevin Love and money or picks or whatever. Um, and so That's then, right. That's right. I remember but that now. Now, imagine that. this. Now, I don't – Kevin Love kind of broke once LeBron got there, but – whatever but you could have had a team of Kyrie Irving Andrew Wiggins LeBron James you still could have gotten somebody else too probably so I don't but like this says here too for example the 2011 draft that we're talking about uh, the Cavs were not especially a long shot uh, to win the lottery only the Minnesota Timberwolves had a better chance to win the lottery and even they had a 75% chance of not winning the lottery so the lottery's hard, harder to rig. No, it, it feels is, yes. like. Oh yeah, I would agree. Because you know you're not just sitting there with a ball. It, it, it just has like <laughs> one, and it's not an equal chance in one thing. Yeah. Is, which yeah, that will bring me to my next one. Yeah. I figured, I figured that's where we're going. The 1985 NBA draft was that rigged for the New York Knicks? Yes. <laughs> I feel like that. Ah, yeah, I that's feel like that certain, one has to be. I feel like that was almost certain. Now, one of the points – so for those that are not sure on what we're talking about with this one, we haven't given a description. New York Knicks – in the first year, they did the NBA lottery draft, which is where they randomly select the teams that make the playoffs. Nowadays, they do a – it's a percentage-based, so the worst teams have a better chance. Yeah. But when they first did it, there were seven teams. Uh, seven? Yeah, I think there would have been seven or eight teams. Because now, like, not... now it's like the top – half or the yeah, bottom half because it's you know 14 yeah so it was like eight teams that didn't make the playoffs mm-hmm. and so you take those eight and you they put them in a wheel they spun it around they grabbed an envelope and they'd open the envelope and a team's logo would be on it and that would be first pick and they'd keep doing that all the way through new york knicks who play in the biggest market and are the favorite team of then-Commissioner David Stern, uh, wanted to make sure they got, couldn't miss prospect Patrick Ewing. One of the things that they point to um, was that if you look when they're spinning the wheel, that the only one with a bent envelope that looks bent was the New York Knicks envelope, which that could have just happened from the from spinning the wheel. Mm-hmm. But they also have theorized that maybe they had creased the corner earlier and it became uncreased. But the biggest one is uh, they froze the envelope. Oh, so it was cold? Yeah, and so they could feel around. and Because you look at him feel around in there for a yeah. little bit. He doesn't reach in and grab it. He goes, 
Mm-hmm. Yeah. And so that I feel like that was a uh, a little bit of a so a yes. While I'm reading here, it says like in the video, which I mean, the Knicks didn't want to get Benoit Benjamin, that's for sure. Yikes. Uh they're saying that one of the employees or whoever was placing him in the like in the bin like threw one on the side to try to bend the corner mm-hmm. but um and, you know he pulls it out appears to have a bent corner or whatever and they were they were saying if if they wanted to send a signal to stern that what they should have done is just creased it before mm-hmm because in a stack of envelopes, you wouldn't really notice, depending yeah. on how you're holding them. And that's what I'm thinking, but at the same time, you can't really tell that it's creased, especially if you felt around, because I'm sure that another envelope could have gotten bent. Yeah. So. But they're just saying, like, the fact that someone took an envelope and, like, threw it on the side would not have bent the corner. So. And the fact that it's been as descriptive as to say that they have froze the envelope, which is something I never necessarily would have thought of. Yeah. I think also means that there's some There's a very solid high proof. probability. That one, I think, is one of the highest ones. All right. It's not quite a yes, but it's almost there. All right, another uh, draft-based one. The 2005 NHL draft was rigged so Pittsburgh could get Crosby and save the franchise. Yep, let me get back down to that one. Um, I, I go back and forth about this one only because – I mean, the Penguins were bad. I mean, the, yeah, oh, they were bad, but like... One of the four teams with the best lottery chances. And not only that, but there was, say... also, there was also Ovechkin. Ovechkin was the other of the top two picks. Yeah. So it wasn't like... I feel like you would have tried to rig it for Ovechkin. I, oh, I, maybe. I would think I, so, too. I, I, In fact, I'm almost certain that I've heard at some point... Uh, that it was that they tried walk. They tried to rig it for Washington so they'd get Ovechkin, but it worked out for both of them. Just here's the thing, though. You, we say that oh, I would have tried for Ovechkin, but the Penguins have more Stanley Cups in that time period, so they have more Stanley Cups. Um, and honestly, I like Ovechkin more, but um, Crosby is the better player. Just in terms, he has more yeah. points. He's more of a he's more of a playmaker. He's setting up guys for passes as well as being able to score himself. Wayne Gretzky versus Mario Lemieux. We're going to do that right now. <laughs> really? <laughs> Gretzky. Gretzky. I mean, so um, I am like not. And was I'm not sold on it. And yeah, in Pittsburgh, out of all the teams that needed their, their franchise saved, I'd say all those teams that they forced onto the Sun Belt where no one cares about hockey, they should be the ones worrying about that. Yeah. Well, and like it says, they they shortly or they escaped bankruptcy. Um, they're still in trouble as a franchise, and they threatened to move to Kansas City, which would have been cool. No, well, I would have been. A, I would have been all for it. I would have been all for a team, a team for Kansas City, in Kansas City, known as the Kansas City Penguins. Absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm sure they would have changed the name. No, no, I refuse they to probably, accept this. They probably would have. No, to what? Would they have Racers. gone back to? <laughs> Wrong. Uh, would they have gone back to being the Kansas City Scouts? Kansas City Kings. Dun-dun-dun-dun-dun. Think about what you're saying. There's already a Los Angeles Kings. Hey, yeah, they would have already been around by that time. Yeah, early 2000s. Yeah, they would have very. They would have. They would have been, been around for 30 years. Yeah, they would have been just for a few years. 
right. Um, but yeah, so they had some of the best chances to win the lottery. So it's. They, I'm, not, they, I'm not sold on that one. They were saying that the Rangers needed help too because they were one of the worst teams. But... And, and they're New York. Yeah. And that's like they're the biggest market, even though it is divided across three parts. But that, but the New York Rangers are like the like three the, parts because there's New Jersey. The oh New yeah. Jersey Devils. yeah, Devils. Yeah. But the thing is, at the same time, it's that's for New Jersey. The Islanders are like the suburbs in Long Island. Right. New York is like the city itself. And so that's still probably the biggest market out of any team. Well, and then you've got the the teams in Canada that are like right across the lake. Mm-hmm. So then you've got, I'm sure you got people upstate that. Well, the teams upstate are going to root for Buffalo. Oh, that's true. They have Buffalo too. Yeah. So there you go. Um. So yeah, I'm not totally sold on that one. I I can I can see I can get where the, it I is. get the theory, but I just don't believe that it was. Yeah, I I think it happened. would be a little harder to rig. Like like we were saying, it's easier to rig basketball related things. I feel like, but mm-hmm. even though that this is a situation where it's the draft, so you can still do the same. Yeah. So, and one more draft related one, which or so far I can find. Gary Bettman, uh, commissioner of the NHL and the league itself, rigged the expansion draft so the Golden Knights, the Vegas Golden Knights, would have the most successful opening season in sports. Uh, drawing attention to the league and turning the unlikely Las Vegas area into an actual hockey hotbed. Now, here's the reason I don't believe that. Uh, Not because it's some kind of controversy or conspiracy or anything like that. The reason I don't believe it is because Vegas had one of the, obviously the most successful inaugural season ever, but most teams didn't come into the, the league as the only expansion team. Now, I guess that could be part of the reason that it's rigged or whatever you want to say. But when you get one player from every team, like you're even if they block, even if you let them block their top 8 guys, you're still going to get NHL quality players that even if they haven't played together, will figure it out. Like and they obviously did. The the reason I don't think it's rigged unless they were saying, "Hey, let's do an expansion, but just one. That way they can get the best options possible. Because you're seeing, originally you're getting expansions, they come in in twos or fours. Mm -hmm. So then they're fighting for players, essentially. And Vegas was so smart with, hey, we'll deal so-and-so for this. They would, like, talk with teams that, hey, we'll take this guy from this team. And then, like, they – I mean, I think it's the management more – of Vegas than the NHL helping them to be successful. But I could see where they maybe said, let's expand, but let's only do one team. I am going to disagree with you. I do. This is one of the strongest ones I feel about actually. So this was the only news I'd ever heard about the NHL in quite a while outside (laughs) of the playoffs was about how well the Vegas golden Knights had been performing and as a first year team, right? Um, I always thought the move to Las Vegas was pretty stupid. That doesn't seem like a hockey location at all. Um, Neither does Los Angeles, San Jose, Anaheim. Well, Arizona, how I feel about most of the teams in the South Florida, is Carolina. I'm not really for them. But um, like a team in Los Angeles, that's fine. That's like the second biggest city in the United States. 
one team in Texas, one team in Florida, that's fine. But adding in like Carolina. Well, it's two teams in Florida, but yeah, getting get rid of a team in Florida, um, get rid of Carolina, bring back the Hartford Whalers. Um, one team in the Bay Area is fine, but Las Vegas is kind of a smaller metro area compared in comparison to like L.A. Uh, the Bay Area, right. yeah, Houston, which maybe they should have a team instead of Dallas. I don't know. Um, the Houston Oilers. Except for there's already the Edmonton Oilers. Are... Move, Move, Edmund... them. <laughs> Move them. Move them. Move um, them. So, Las Vegas is is definitely an uphill battle to get them to pay attention to hockey. Um, and so... It just seems like too much of a perfect storm. And not only that, but the NHL has all along planned on two teams going being in the expansion. And yep. so it's weird for them to split them up because every other time it's been teams always do expansions in two. Or uh, I think three they've done with the NBA, but it's always been multiple teams. So for them to split them up like that and not decide on one right away is a little sus to me. Yeah, no, and... I'm obviously not backtracking here, but I'm sorry. I just made really good points. No, because I yeah. I, I was trying. I, I said like the exact yeah. same thing as you, Jake. Uh, wrong. Like the factors that went into it, I think were are, are where it's a little like like you said, it's a little sus. But at the same time, they still couldn't predict that those thirty guys or twenty five or however many are on the roster were going to come together. It'd be that successful. Like you can say, "Hey, we're going to put the best twenty-five available on your team," but that doesn't mean you're going to win. They still won, and they still made deals to get players that they had. Do I think they? Like I think some of the draft factors, yes, were like planned in a very odd manner compared to what the expansion normally is. But I think the overall draft slash season the NHL didn't have that much control over it but I do think it's weird that they only expanded with one team I think that's that's where you kind of go but I don't know who else they would have had I mean yeah maybe another Canada team Seattle Seattle's a thought yeah maybe Kansas City (laughs) (coughs) maybe Hartford uh anyway so yeah we're gonna disagree I'm I am kind of strong on that one I'm pretty strong yes for me Somewhere in the middle for me. All right. And then Pete Rose actually had a secret agreement to be reinstated into baseball after a lifetime ban. However, the man that placed the lifetime ban on him, um, Bart Giamatti, mm-hmm. also father of actor, famed actor Paul Giamatti, died eight days after um, uh, stating the ban on Pete Rose. So the the secret agreement to have him reinstated has been forgotten. What do you think on that one? Uh, I'm reading, like you said, I'm on this website that has some of theirs ranked. Um, I I'll go back and forth about this because, and I've I've read it before. If if he had some agreement to be reinstated. I don't know why Giamatti would have suspended him in the first place. That's yeah, that's part of it too. Um, and then, like it says here, Giamatti was replaced by his close friend Faye Vincent, and 
if it if it truly was Giamatti's plan to reinstate Rose, if he had a close friend that was taking his job, that guy probably would have known and probably would have honored it. So there's there's a little bit of a gray area where if there was an agreement, like how how like solid of an agreement was it, or if there wasn't one. I I just have a hard time believing that someone would have suspended them just to go back and say, hey, if you sign this piece of paper, you can be reinstated, like, in a month. Yeah, and that's and that's how I see it. And also, like, if Bart Giamatti was so close to – who was the guy that followed him? Faye Vincent. Faye Vincent? Yeah. Um. So, yeah, the thing with um, Faye Vincent was, like, if they were such close friends – why wouldn't he have known about it? Or why wouldn't have the paper like the why wouldn't the piece of paper been somewhere? <laughs> That's yeah. So do I think it could have happened? Sure. But I just have a hard time believing that there there would have been that lack of a communication between the guy that is in power. And I know he died eight days later, so it's <laughs> but, but I feel like he would have known as a successor at some point. For, so for me, this last is words a, on his deathbed. It's reinstate beat Rose. That was his final words. Yeah. What did he say? No idea. Paul. Paul. <laughs> be in a movie called Big Fat Liar. Where <laughs> face gets painted blue. Wait, what did you just say, say to me? He's about to say something. <laughs> no. Right. Be in a movie with Frankie Muniz. Um, <laughs> anyway, I am. I wouldn't say I'm. It's a totally hard no for me. I'm just I'm, like I'm, I think the the hardest no on here is the 2005 NHL draft, but this one I think is probably going to be second for me. Yeah, yeah, I'm I'm pretty up there with. I'm 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 no. kind of against this one. Um, 2013 Super Bowl power outage. NFL tried to slow the Baltimore blowout. What'd they win that game by? Do you know? Check here. I want to say I want to say it was pretty low scoring. I know maybe it was high, thirty to something. Cause I how I see I. Oh, it actually ended up being closer. It caused a comeback after the after the power outage because San Francisco scored seventeen unanswered points. Was a final. Thirty four, thirty one. Okay, now here's here's why I believe that. To an extent. Take, for example, and this is just listening to broadcasts and watching just football in general. Think about a weather delay, right? If you've already started the game during a weather delay, and when you come back, you're the team that's on offense, if you don't, if you aren't clicking right away, you're just going to either go three and out or you're just going to have a bad drive. Uh, and, it, and that could last longer than one drive. You have to almost warm up again. Whereas if you're the defense, you are playing off emotion of anyways. You're just flying around. You're kind of doing whatever. So the reason, because yeah, because defense is always just based on pure hustle. It's pure and, and emotion. Mm-hmm. And if you miss a tackle, there's some guy that's probably playing just as hard as you are and can make the play. So it's it's one of those sports that only one side is really needs to be calculated, while the other side can have a little more mistakes. And, and still succeed. So the reason I could see this as a possibility is if Baltimore was, you know, 
say they're going to run up 50 points in a Super Bowl yeah. or more, whatever it may be. Having – and it's in a dome, so you can't have a weather delay or anything like that. But having some form of a delay, even if it's for 10 minutes mm-hmm. – and I don't remember how long the power outage was, but um, that just shows like the effects of it because I think at the time – the Niners may have been on defense, um, or it was at halftime, or wherever it was. But it basically just sucked all the momentum out of Baltimore. Mm-hmm. And so, because at the end of the half, Baltimore was up twenty-one-six. Yeah. So. so I mean, they were on pace to just smoke them. Mm-hmm. And the fact that they they only had six in the first half, and they scored seven seventeen unanswered against maybe one of Baltimore's best defenses they had, aside from two thousand when. They won the other Super Bowl. Uh, just feels odd. It just feels a little weird that there was a power outage, and then also, hey, the Niners came back against arguably a. Now the the Baltimore's offense was is okay, but Flacco like, had a phenomenal year that year. But I I'm kind of I I'm torn say a little hard bit. Hard no. This I'm, is behind the Pete Rose, I'd say, because for me this. Co- Having a blackout in the middle of one of the biggest TV events of the year for 30-plus minutes, that's going to cost you so much view. I clearly remember um, we were watching that, and... Keith just threw yeah. his TV outside the window. <laughs> no, we decided, like, let's watch something, <laughs> something else. else. yeah. And what actually happened was we found that there was, like, like the Dominic or like the Caribbean series baseball on like ESPN two between like Cuba and the Dominican Republic. And it was ended up being a really close baseball game. And we actually watched that, I think into the Super Bowl because it was, it was a, it was good baseball and it was really fun to watch. I, I remember, and I'm sure that I'm sure that that cost a lot of viewership for at least temporarily and just a little bit like that when it's the Super Bowl is going to hurt you. So I don't know why they'd want to do that. Now, my thing is people are going to keep watching the Super Bowl all the way through, no matter what the score is because of commercials and stuff during the power outage. Were they still showing commercials? If I remember correctly, or were they kind of like cutting back and forth? They were cutting back and forth. So now this, this would go really deep. And if someone found out this was true, then I would, I would like give this a hard yes. If there was some kind of agreement with advertisers, like, hey, at some point we might have an extra like 10 minutes to have, do you want to run a few more ads? Because then, like, yeah, they might lose viewership, but they're getting paid on the back end Mm -hmm. from having more advertisements. Now, I think that'd be a little too planned, Yeah, but... Also, having a random power outage in one of the biggest indoor stadiums is also really weird. So it Also, during the Super Bowl. And yeah, and during the Super Bowl in a crowded stadium with millions of people watching. And not only that, but they, there is some proof in terms of, like, people already know, like, all right. They were sucking so much power out of New Orleans that that was eventually going to happen. Mm-hmm. And so I'm I'm kind of... A no on this. I'm a no on this one. Yeah, I, I, I think there's a potential of uh, something behind the scenes, but I definitely don't think that the NFL was like, "Hey, at 
906. We're just going to shut them out. We're, plugging the, we're pulling the plug. I mean, that's, yeah, I, that's obviously way too late because the game would have been over by uh, roughly around them. But you know what I mean. Mm-hmm. So I'm, I'm going to lean towards no as well. So next one, the 1995 Rugby World Cup final. Are you familiar with this one? Um, the poisoning. Yes. New Zealand versus South Africa. This was actually not this situation, but the game is what the movie Invictus was based on, if you remember that, with Matt Damon and Morgan Freeman. Yeah. So, yeah, in 1995, this was after apartheid um, in South Africa. And the World Cup was in South Africa. And they were playing New Zealand, who was being uh, the same year with 95 Huskers. New Zealand was pretty much 95 Huskers of rugby that year. The All Blacks were very dominant, and so South Black Africa, shirts, some would call them. What? I said the black shirts that some would call them. <laughs> and um, so, yeah, South Africa at home after um, the fixation of political, of political turmoil. Um, those seem like too many factors coming together. I Part of me... I honestly, I want to say yes, but it's really hard for me to say that because it's, it's like looking, reading a feel good story and being like, no, <laughs> cause like I want, I really want to believe that this didn't happen, but at the same time, there's, there's too many things that come together on this one. With how good New Zealand is mm-hmm. at rugby. And, yeah. And was, especially this was probably one of their best teams they'd ever yeah. had. The 95 Huskers. Oh, uh-huh. yeah. It's, it's, it's odd to think that they're just going to lose this, not a random match to South Africa, but in the World Cup, on the biggest stage, the best rugby organization probably ever. Mm-hmm. I mean, it has to be ever, because when you talk about rugby, it's like, oh, the All Blacks. And then it's like, ah, there's other teams too, I guess. But uh, England, uh, I guess. No. Um, but as I'm reading this, they're saying that a waitress gave them food poisoning. And they even have a name for the waitress, too. Susie. Mm-hmm. Yeah. But one of the team managers says that no, not a real person. The team drank what he called dodgy milk two days before the match. Dodgy milk? After, well, because probably they... spoiled milk. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, after a big night out that left team members, uh, left members of the team feeling not too fit. So. I think you're right. I think you're right on with the. Um, hey, this is a really cool story. Yeah, but it's New Zealand. But at the it's same great, time, it's a great story, and I really hope that we're wrong. But I have to say that this is. A think guess. about what is it? Ninety ninety six last year's. It's like, oh, Texas beat Nebraska. Yeah, but almost every player on Nebraska had the flu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So. Did they really beat them? Exactly. <laughs> so it's. I agree. It's. I, I'm. I'm, I'm, really I'm leaning. Wrong. I'm leaning towards. No, but I'm probably more in that gray area of. I could see something. Because for me, it's. I don't want to. I think it's honestly kind of a hard yes for me. I really, really hope I'm wrong, because this is such a cool story. I love this story. But there's just so many factors that come together, and it's like, okay, 
I can see this. The biggest one being New Zealand. Being is so good. The, and playing the rugby at, powerhouse. Yeah, and playing on the road in the World Cup final and a country that has just recently been united. Like, ugh, yeesh. So, yeah, that's an interesting one. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm more in the gray area, but I could, I could see how that'd be uh, rigged somehow. All right, and Muhammad Ali's phantom punch to knock out Sonny Liston. This is another one. I, it's a cool story, but, ugh. Sonny. I mean, the big thing is like, first of all, Sonny Liston at the time was seen as, like, unbeatable. He had, in terms of proportion, he had the biggest reach in boxing history. Mm-hmm. He had the largest fist size of any boxer mm-hmm. in boxing history. Um, he was an absolute boxing specimen. And a young kid who, Muhammad Ali, he, who fought really unorthodox in terms of skill set for mm-hmm. a heavyweight fighter because he was all based around speed. Like, he, he fought get, like a lightweight. He was going to get tired. What was that? said he was he was going to get tired. That's what people worried about. But, like, with a knockout punch against an absolute boxing specimen. and But the big thing for me is Sonny Liston had well-known and documented ties to the mob. Yeah. And so it's like... Is Muhammad Ali, is am I saying that Muhammad Ali was not deserving of this win? Was he not deserving of being one of the greatest of all time? No, he's still in the top five all time pound for pound um, out of all the boxers ever. He's mm-hmm. still one of the absolute greatest of all time. He was better, had a better career than Sonny Liston, but in that one particular fight, I don't know. I'm not too sure. Um, uh, side note about. Muhammad Ali before I, I guess I kind of give my final verdict on this one mm-hmm. I was watching a video where they were talking about like different training styles and how like I I just said people thought Ali was going to get tired they thought like oh why is he doing all this jumping around stuff why yep. you know what why what is well, he this? had so much first of all he had so much endurance was- and well and the thing was is he would you know when he would train, he'd train for a 12-round fight, obviously. Mm-hmm. But he'd go five or six rounds with a lightweight and then go five or six rounds with a heavyweight. Mm-hmm. And so you get your you get your speed and endurance in your first six rounds, and then he'd go immediately into six rounds of, of power fighting, essentially. And so do I think that Muhammad Ali had the skill set to beat Sonny Liston? Of course. At, but I've, I'm thinking but at, at the that time, time no. I'm talking at if you time, put them both no. at their prime, Muhammad Ali could be any heavyweight fighter ever. Except for maybe Mike Tyson. <laughs> I hope you're joking. Uh, mostly, yeah. Okay, good. Because, um, I mean, I I believe that Lennox Lewis in his prime would have beat prime Mike Tyson. Okay, which let's just already, keep moving on. Uh. <laughs> we'll have that discussion another time. Do you think we have time for two more or just one? Yeah, we got five minutes. Depends on what the two are. Do I care? So, they're both about Michael Jordan. One about the flu game and one about the gambling. Let's kind of combine them because I wanted to talk about one more too. All right. So first of all, was the flu game actually the flu game? No. What do you think it was? I think there was some kind of – like people people deal with colds, sick, being sick, (laughs) just like overworking your body. Like I think that that could have affected him. Yeah. Definitely. I also think – 
you know, hitting the bottle a few times the night before is probably what put him on the bench in, in the kind of agony he was in. And I think, I think he was sick. I just don't think it was like stomach bug related. <laughs> I am actually kind of a no on this one because Michael Jordan does not seem like the kind of guy who would drink the night before an NBA See, Finals game. That's what and, I think too. But And not only that, but that image of Scottie Pippen pretty much carrying him over to the bench at the end of the half. Have you ever seen a hangover that bad? If you aren't drinking be... water, yeah. Um, I mean, I see people get – I mean, look at the people that get – and they're not even being athletic. A, they're getting like, carried out a, of stadiums pro- from being hungover. But a professional athlete? Yeah, I don't know. I, I say no. Food poisoning? Maybe. Maybe. I don't think it was from an actual sickness. I think it was something he ingested. I don't know. Because I honestly, it happened so fast. Like, he, he just all of a sudden was sick. That's where, that's why I think there's kind of that gray area. Do I think it's him being hungover? I guess I don't know. But. Uh, yeah, I'm not too sure on that I, one. Michael Jordan doesn't seem like the kind of guy that would do that. But at the same time, Michael Jordan seems like the kind of guy that is confident enough in his game as a basketball player, as the world's greatest basketball player, that he'd have a few libations before he'd go play an NBA Finals game. I don't know. And. Michael Jordan's retirement, his first retirement, was actually a year-plus suspension for his gambling. See, that one, that one's closer to a yes for me. Same, but I'm still going to have to say no. I'm more gray area. Gray but area. it's yep. like his father had died. He was yeah. in a weird spot, and he was murdered, too. Like, yeah. It, was it wasn't unexpected. like, yeah, it wasn't like it was planned or anything. Well, I mean, like, well, I mean, it's, I mean. it's one thing if... They knew he was going to pass away. Yeah, like illness, whatever. And you kind of build up to it. This just suddenly happened, and it was a brutal murder, and that can totally mess up someone's psyche. Yeah. And maybe so him going to play. So him going to play baseball kind of makes sense because I think his father was a semi-pro baseball player. Yeah, I think he was just big into baseball for the most Mm -hmm. part. Okay, and so that makes me say no, but at the same time, there's just. It makes too much sense because mm-hmm. it all happened right at the same time. I'm kind of leaning toward no, but I'm kind of in the gray area, I, as you said. Yeah, I put that in the gray area for, for this reason, and it's because it's very possible. I mean, he is a documented gambler. I mean, mm-hmm. I feel like a lot of professional athletes are. They come into this money, and they don't think it's that big of a deal. But, I mean, look at even – and this is kind of a tough comparison, but even Tiger Woods when he lost his dad. Like, he didn't take a break from golf. But, like, that hit him pretty hard. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Like, he was battling with that for a while. And I could see Jordan taking this as not a a relief because he was still, like, in shape, still playing a sport. Mm -hmm. But I think it was kind of like, hey, let's get away from the daily grind of, of like, this burnout. Do something different. Well, and he wasn't burned out for baseball. Yeah, not because if you look at him when he played baseball, he was a lot more loose and joking. Because when he played basketball, he was always super serious. Yeah. But with um With baseball it's kinda just like like you'd see him in warm ups and during the game and you'd be joking around. Yeah. Quickly, NFL destroys Spygate evidence so that people don't see what the Patriots are doing. Absolutely. I think so too. Absolutely. So Jake got about forty seconds. All right, well, shout out to Rolly, shout out to Pot Roast, shout out to Sideshow, Whirly, um, shout out to all the mommies keeping it high and tight. Probably mustache Man. Shout out to Mustache Man, shout out to my dad, of course, being a loyal listener. Um, who else? 
We get it? The spooky season. Uh, shout, shout out to the spooky a, season. Shout out to the spooky season. Have a good spooky season, everybody. All right, we will be back next Friday. Take a safe and great Halloween next Wednesday. We'll be back next Friday. It's been Chasing History on 90.3 Karen New Lincoln. I'm Colton Stone alongside Jake Larson. Thanks for listening.